0: It's good to see everybody out this morning. Fresh snow outside. Who was expecting that? But it was out there and our power was out in our house this morning, so all we can do is look at the snow, so that was good. But we're glad you're here and we invite you back at every opportunity that you have to be with us. What does the Lord require? He requires us to do justly, to love mercy. And to walk humbly before God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter twenty-three and verse twenty-three, that's the New Testament, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithes of mint and anise and of cumin, and omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the others undone. When we look in the Bible, we can see various terms that I think describe mercy. We can see kindness. Uh, Some translations have kindness in some of those uh, places where mercy uh, is found. Compassion is another one that uh, demonstrates uh, mercy. But I think all of us understand what mercy is and when we would like to receive it. Many years ago, my dog got loose. It was about 40 years ago. My dog got loose and somebody called the dog catcher and a dog catcher came to my house and knocked on the door And I'd already recaptured my dog, so the dog wasn't at large, but he asked me if I had a dog license, and I said, sure do. And I looked and looked and looked and looked. I thought my wife had gotten it. She thought I'd gotten it. Neither one of us got it. He wrote us a ticket. So I called to see how much I would have to pay, and he said, oh, you've got to go to court for that one. And so there I stood before the judge, And the judge looked down at me and he said, do you know that for not having a dog license, you can be fined $50 up to $500 and spend 90 days in jail? Now my brain thinks pretty quick. I'm thinking in prison? (laughs) Can you imagine? Now this went through my mind right then. Can you imagine I'm sitting here In jail with these people. What did you do? I killed somebody. What did you do? I robbed a bank. What'd you do? I didn't have a dog license. (laughs) But what do you think I wanted? Do you think I wanted justice right then? Or do you think I wanted mercy? I know what I wanted. I wanted mercy. And he said that fine will be $51 can you pay. We know mercy when we receive it. We should know what mercy is when we give it. And we all have been talking about in our Sunday morning Bible class about forgiveness, and that is mercy that God extends to us. And every one of us here need God's mercy. You know, so seeing being a merciful person is as important as being a human being. And we all realize the importance of God's mercy. Because we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter uh, uh, 6 and verse uh, 36 tells us, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? God extends His mercy to us. He expects us to extend our mercy to Him. And He tells us that all of us have sinned and come short of His glory. And then He goes on to tell us in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God gives us the opportunity to have eternal life. He gives us the opportunity to hear His Word. And how many of us have heard that Word and just go on about our lives? We don't stop to think about the seriousness. I, you know, it's like going to court thinking about how serious can it be not having a dog license? I already got it, so why, why would that be a problem? But to those in charge, that was a big deal. And we look at our sins sometimes and we think, what's the big deal? You know, it's just, it's, it's just something simple. But think about what God had to do so that you and I could have that forgiveness. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved us enough to offer His Son on the cross for your sins and my sins. And so there was a tremendous price that is paid so that you and I could have that mercy that God extends to us applied to our lives. And then when we obey the Gospel as a receiver of that mercy that God extended, God expects you and me as Christians to extend that mercy to others. I want us to look this morning at three different ways that we can show mercy. If you have your Bible, turn over to Luke chapter 10. Here's one of the examples that I want us to look at about someone that extended mercy to someone else. In Luke chapter 10, beginning of verse 25, it says, "...And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him what is written in the law, How readest thou? And he answering, He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself." And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered, him, saying, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast. And brought him into the inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou thou that spendeth more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. And said, Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. A man had asked the question what he needed to do in order to inherit eternal life. And he had the right answer, but there was other things that he needed to do. And there we see that the Good Samaritan, as he was passing by, had compassion on that individual. He had mercy on that individual. The priest and the Levi, they passed by. They didn't do anything to help. They went on their way. But here the good Samaritan did all the things that he did to help that man. Why? Because he had mercy upon that individual that needed help. Brethren, we live in a world today where it's not unusual to see stories and, and events... Such as this, where someone's walking down the street, get hit in the head. I saw one just this past week on the news where somebody was walking down the road and somebody came up behind him with a looked like a two-by-four and bashed him in the head and seven other people came up and started stabbing him and kicking him and all kinds of things happening. Those things happen in real life. And Jesus said the individual that stopped and helped that man on the road to Jericho showed compassion and He showed mercy. And what did Jesus say to the individual that asked the question originally? He said, go and do thou likewise. Brother, God expects us as recipients of the mercy that He's extended to us to have compassion and mercy on other people. In fact, Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So God expects us to be good to each other, to be good to those that are outside of the household of faith, but especially those that are members of the body of Christ. But are we like that individual in the parable that Jesus gave? With a man that asked the question to begin with, are we trying to justify ourselves sometimes where we don't want to help either? You see, that Levite and priest might have had a good excuse or a good reason to do what they did, to ignore the man and go on their way. They may have had a busy schedule. They may have had other places to go. They may have seen the danger and thought, well, I don't want to put my life into jeopardy. But that good Samaritan was willing to put his life at risk take money out of his pocket to help take care of this individual because he showed mercy. That's what God expects out of us. We need to remember that we should help others as if we are helping Christ Himself. Do we look at it that way that when somebody's in need, do we help them thinking that we're helping Christ? Listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 25 in a picture of the judgment scene. Beginning in verse 31, he says, "...and when the Son of Man is come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations." And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger and ye took me in. Naked and ye clothed me. I was sick and ye visited me. I was in prison and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, whence saw we thee hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink, or whence all we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or whence are we sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Brother, when we help each other, we're helping Christ. It's like we're, we're taking care of Him. But someone's struggling and needs help, that's our responsibility to help those individuals. And sometimes we, we don't have the time to do so. Sometimes we don't want the convenience. And sometimes we come up with all kinds of excuses of why we can't or why it's not our, our job. Let somebody else do it. That Good Samaritan stopped. I know this is just a parable that Jesus told, but that good Samaritan stopped. What if he had kept on going on his way? Perhaps that man would have died. And brother, one of the good things that can happen when we help people, it opens a door of opportunity where we may be able to spread the gospel. Or we may be able to help someone come back into the fold of God when we have an opportunity to do good. The question is, when we have those opportunities, do we seize on those opportunities? Or do we pass by on the other side? Another way that we can show mercy is by forgiving people when they hurt us, when they sin against us. And again, I believe that Jesus is a great example of this. In John chapter 8, if you have your Bible, you may flip over there. Because there we find the woman is taken in adultery. And it says, beginning in verse 1, Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, it says, "...Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning He came again into the temple. And all the people came unto Him, and sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto Him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst..." They say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that that, that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted in their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the least. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted him up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Here we find an example of someone who is caught up in a terrible sin. And we see individuals, I think, that bring her to Jesus, but they're also caught up in a, 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 another sin. I don't know if it's a worse sin or an equal sin or whatever, but it, they don't have a good attitude. Because they don't care about this individual soul. All they can see is what they can do to try to tempt Jesus, to get something on Jesus. And Jesus looks at this woman and realizes that there's a soul involved. And brethren, when people come to us and they need forgiveness... We need to understand, as we've been talking about in our Bible class on Sunday morning, that they need forgiveness, that there's a soul involved. And their soul is involved, but not only their soul involved, your own soul is involved. And so we've asked God to forgive us when we obey the gospel, when we've gone down into that watery grave of baptism, we've come up. We we trust God that the blood of Christ has cleansed us from our sin. And then as a Christian, and we walk in the light as He is in the light, and we confess our sins to Him, we trust Him to forgive those sins. And we look at an individual like this, and we see that Jesus was willing to forgive her. He didn't condone her sin. He didn't say, oh, it's okay. He said, go and sin no more. Don't do those things. We can find another example in Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Beginning in verse 1, it says, "...And again he entered into Capernaum. After some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them." So here we have Jesus in this situation where He's in this house and He's preaching and there's such a great crowd that no one can get into the building. No one can get into the house. They're gathered even around the doorways and no one can come through the door. And so what happens? In verse 3 it says, "...and they came unto Him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto Him for the press, they uncovered the roof where He was." And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the Palsy lay. And Jesus saw their faith. He said unto the sick of the Palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there was certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man thus speak blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately Jesus perceived in His Spirit that they so reasoned within themselves. He said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it is easy to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Here's another example of Jesus forgiving sin. What did this man do? He came through the roof, lowered down by his four friends, and he received the forgiveness. What I want us to understand is that Jesus freely forgives us. He's willing to forgive us. God wants to forgive us. The Bible tells us that God doesn't want anyone to be lost. He freely forgives those who come to Him with that desire. He showed us mercy by giving us a plan so that you and I could have our sins washed away by the blood of Christ. He had compassion on us, he's shown us kindness, he's demonstrated his mercy by willing to forgive by being willing to forgive our sins. And we can see example after example of after example where Jesus was willing to forgive sin. When they crucified him on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What to expect out of us? When someone has done something that hurts us. You say, well, these individuals didn't hurt Jesus. Well, there is a situation I think that did hurt Jesus. And that was with Peter. When Jesus had told Peter that He would deny Him three times, Peter said, no, not me. I'm not going to do that. these, These others might, but not me. And He said, I'm willing to die for you. And I believe that Peter meant that with all of his heart, that he was willing to die. And the reason that I believe that is because when the mob came to take Jesus away in the garden, who was it that pulled out their sword and cut somebody's ear off? It was Peter. So I believe that he really meant what he said. But something as simple as confessing that he knew Christ was something that was tough. And when he finally denied Jesus for that last time, the cock crowed. The Bible tells us that Jesus looked at Peter. Talk about a look. wonder how many times Jesus has looked at us like he's looked at Peter. But he looked at Peter, and the Bible says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Here was the tough guy. I'll never deny him. I'll die for you. You're wrong, Lord. And then he did it. It would have been easy for Jesus to say, you're unworthy. You don't deserve to be a follower of mine. I'm not going to let you stand up on a day of Pentecost. But Jesus wanted to restore Peter. And so in John chapter 21, listen to what takes place, beginning in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. Then said he, then said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. And he saith unto him the third time, Simon son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved, because he said it unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, Feed my sheep. And verily, verily I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou art shall be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hand, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he has spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Jesus is rebuilding. Peter. He's restoring that relationship. Peter's with someone that Jesus loved. And when we turn away from God and we disappoint Him, He still loves us. He still loves you. He still cares about you. And He wants you to be restored. And He's willing to forgive your sin. Even as a child of His, when we sin, that sin separates us from God, but yet He's still willing to forgive us if we'll confess that sin, as we're told in 1 John chapter 1. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted His garments and cast lots. These individuals weren't showing love to Jesus at that particular time, but yet Jesus showed His love to them by willing being willing to forgive them Brother, we need God's mercy. Those who are lost in the world still, they need God's mercy. Those of us who are Christians, we still need God's mercy because without God's mercy, where would we be? Where would you be? Without God's mercy being extended to you. Just think of all the sin that you've committed in your life. Maybe you've been a good person and you don't have that much, but that sin has separated you from God. How do you take care of it? Jesus tells us how we take care of it. He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's how we take care of that sin. And then as a child of God, if we confess that sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us. That's His mercy that He extends to us. It doesn't sound complicated, does it? sounds pretty easy, doesn't it? But God expects us in the return in return to extend the mercy that He's shown us. He expects us to extend that to those that are around us. Those that we come in contact with. Those that you may think least deserve it. We are expected to still show our mercy. Jesus made it very simple. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I don't, know how, I don't know how plainer that could be. Don't hold grudges. Don't seek to get revenged. Let go. Forgive. God's forgiven you. You need to forgive others in Matthew chapter eighteen verse twenty one Peter thought he was really, really great by offering forgiveness seven times because he said, and Peter said unto him, "Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him until seven times what was Jesus' reply? Not seven times, but unto seventy times seven. Now do you really think that Jesus is saying, "Well, I want you to get a calculator out and you mark it, and when you get up to that four hundred and ninetieth time the 491st time, you don't have to forgive anymore. I don't think that that's what Jesus is saying. Because you know what? If that's the case, then we're all doomed. I don't know about your life, but I know in my life, I've asked the Lord more than 490 times to forgive me. And I would imagine all of us have asked the Lord to forgive us Multiple times. And sometimes for the same sin over that we commit over and over and over. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Galatians chapter two and verse twenty. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Is Christ living in you? The Apostle Paul made it very clear that Christ was living in him. Therefore, if Christ is living in us, that means that we need to have the Spirit of Christ. People need to see that Spirit in the life that we live. And so that is shown in our compassion. Our concern for those that are hurting, being benevolent. But it's also demonstrated in our willingness to forgive others, to let go, and to allow God to live in our lives. And then our third point. We show mercy by encouraging others. Barnabas, I believe, is a good example of that. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 36, after the day of Pentecost, there were about 3,000 souls that had been added to the church. Chapter 3, we find the lame man had been healed, a gate beautiful. And in chapter 4, we find where there was a great need, where people needed to be taken care of or needed help. And the Bible tells us in verse 20, or 36 of Acts chapter 4, and Joseph's who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus. In verse 37 it says, "...having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet." Barnabas saw a need. He saw people that needed to be encouraged And he was willing to do what he could do in order to make that happen. And in this particular case, it involves selling things that he had so that he could encourage those that needed encouragement. In Acts chapter 9, we find there, it was after Saul's conversion. It says in the beginning of verse 26, "...and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he swayed to join himself to the disciples." But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Paul here, Saul, had obeyed the Gospel. He'd been baptized into Christ. He'd had his sins washed away. But before all of that took place, we know that he was a man that persecuted the Lord's church. The Bible says that he was made havoc of the church. He went around gathering people that were Christians and had them thrown into prison. He consented unto their death. And when Stephen was stoned to death in Acts chapter 7, it was Saul who held their coats while they did the deed. People had heard about Saul. And they didn't believe that he had obeyed the Gospel. They didn't believe that he was a disciple. But listen to what it says in verse 27. Barnabas took him and brought him unto the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him. Which, when the, brethren hurt, hurt, when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Saul wanted to join himself to a group of people that were Christians. They doubted Saul's conversion. It would have been bar- easy for Barnabas to sit back and say, Hey, you got a reputation, man. You got to live that down it's your problem. Barnabas seen that he needed encouraged. He saw that others needed to be encouraged to accept Saul because he had seen the evidence of the change in Saul's life. And so he went to encourage others. We need encouragers in the church today. And Jesus, I believe, is a great example or the greatest example for us when it comes to encouragement we know what He tells us in the in Matthew the 25th chapter in the scenes of the uh, of the uh, judgment day. He's encouraging us to do what we're supposed to do. To help those that are in need, those that are sick and those that are in prison, those that are hungry, those that are thirsty. And when we do it, we're to do it as if it's Christ Himself that we're doing it to. And so He's encouraging us because He knows that that matter is going to come up on the judgment. And in Matthew chapter 9 verse 36 he says and when he saw the multitude he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd then saith he unto his disciples the harvest truly is plenteous but the labourers are few pray ye therefore the lord of the harvest that he will send forth labourers unto the harvest you know the answer to that prayer is you and me We need to go out into that harvest because there's people that are lost in this world. They need to know that there's hope. This world isn't getting any better all on its own. They need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to have compassion on people to share that Gospel with them. We are the answer to that prayer of the harvesters. In Mark chapter 6, Verses thirty-three through thirty-four, and the people saw, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion t- toward them, because there were many sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Brother, there's people that are lost in this world. But they don't have a shepherd. We need to go out into the world and show them the chief shepherd. Share with them the good news of the gospel of Christ. There may be people that don't want to hear that message. That may be true. But we need to share that message with other people because there are some that want to hear it. And it was Jesus who said, the field is white unto the harvest. What are you doing to show your mercy, your compassion, your kindness to those that are lost in this world? To the people that you know and you love. What are you doing to share the good news with them? In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 32, and it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan have desired to have you, but that he may sip you as wheat. But listen to this. This is Jesus talking, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Brother, how many of us encourage each other even in our prayer life? How many people do you pray for that their faith doesn't fail? That they grow and become stronger? But they be the light of the world. How many of us are praying for each other? Jesus prayed for Peter. He wants you and I to be saved. He wants our faith to be strong. He wants to lift us up so that you and I can have heaven as our home. We know He's gone to prepare a place for us. We know that He'll come again. And we can look forward to that home in heaven with Him if we're faithful. Jesus has done all that He can do to help us. God has done all that He can do to help us. His Spirit has done all that it can do to help us. The choice is ultimately ours. Do we love mercy? Do you love mercy? Is it only when you're standing before a judge and you say, uh, yeah, I need mercy. Or are we willing to extend that mercy to others? We know when we need it. We also need to know when we should give it. Of all the people on earth, Christians should demonstrate mercy more than anyone else. We should never lose sight That if we've been given God's mercy, and we would if we had not been given God's mercy, that we would be without hope. We'd be lost, doomed to eternal damnation. Be thankful of God's mercy. Ephesians chapter two, verses four through six, or four through five. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sin, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. We're saved because God was so good. He's told you what we need to do in order to be saved. He's told all of us. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. That gospel message is a fact that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and He rose victorious over the grave. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the good news that we're to take out into the world. And you see that proclaimed in different sermons in the book of Acts. You see it proclaimed on the day of Pentecost. And he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And it's very simple. You either believe what Jesus is and who He is and what He's taught, or you don't. And brethren, if you didn't believe what He says, what good would it do to be baptized? And so in the very next verse, He says, "...he that believeth not shall be damned." If I don't believe Jesus is the Son of God, if I don't believe that he's, what He's teaching about the good news of the Gospel, if I don't believe His doctrine, why would I want to be baptized? And what good would baptism do in the first place? It would do me no good. And so He tells us what we need to do. We need to believe. Believe what? That He is the Son of God, that He died for our sins, that He was buried and that He rose victorious over the grave. We turn away from our sins and we confess His name before men. Acknowledge the fact that He is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah. And then we go down in that watery grave of baptism to come up out of that watery grave a new creature. There's no magic in the water. There's no special <clears throat> potion that's in there. It's a simple act of obedience through our faith that we do what our Lord has told us to do in order to be saved. He's extended that, that mercy to us and telling us how. But it's up to us as to whether or not we do. This morning, if you're not a Christian, we would encourage you to do those things that Jesus says you need to do in order to be saved. If you haven't done it, you can do it this morning. And if you are a Christian, maybe you haven't been extending the mercy that you should to others. Maybe you haven't been the example in benevolence, being helpful to other people. Or maybe in the fact that you haven't forgiven. Or maybe you're not encouraging like you should. You can change all of that this morning. If you need our prayers, we're here to help you in any way. We'll take care of whatever need you may have. You can come and have a seat up here on our front row. And you have that opportunity while we stand and sing.